What's going on, guys? Zach here. We're about to dive into an episode with Josh Clare. He has his doctorate in physical therapy. He's a father, a husband, a guest who brings a lot to the table when it comes to coaching youth sports as he is a youth through high school wrestling coach. So the man's put the reps under his belt, you know, and has the experience needed to to speak on the subject, not just from what he sees outside, but what he sees from in-house, what he sees as a coach and as a parent. And that's important because he's not just delivering, you know, the perspective of, hey, how can you make a better athlete? But how can you make a better person? How can you make it a better individual? What many don't know is the sponsor of this podcast is PeacefulFathers.com. Anthony Migliorino sponsored this episode. It is coming from a place of peaceful parenting and connection with your children. You can find him at Peaceful Fathers on all social media. But Josh, my guest today, as well as Anthony Migliorino, a multiple-time guest on this podcast, they run a weekly fatherhood Zoom inside the Fraternity of Excellence. So not only are they putting in the reps behind closed doors where nobody can see them but the other fathers inside our group, but these men are now bringing that public. So as you listen to this episode, understand this is a man who's giving his time and his energy to his fellow fathers and his fellow parents. All parents of young athletes need to listen to this and not just listen to, to learn, but to apply. Apply the information exchanged. Both Josh and Anthony give information weekly for men to apply inside the Fraternity of Excellence. And here, Josh is delivering it to the masses, you know, to public knowledge for you to take, apply, and to improve your relationship both with your athlete as well as with yourself and better understanding who it is you are, why it is you have a child in these sports, and how you can best set them up for success. So let's stop the chat, stop the intro, and let's dive right into this episode with Josh Clare and his talk on athletes returning to their field of play after COVID lockdowns. Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here's your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zachary Small, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Josh Clare. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Zach. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to get on here. So for those who don't know, Josh is a has his doctorate in physical therapy. He is a physical therapist. He is a husband. He is a father. He is a wrestling youth coach. And what did I miss, Josh? What else do you bring to the table for those who don't know you? Uh, well, as far as coaching goes, uh, it's youth through high school. I spend most of my time doing high school, although um, I'm kind of the director of our youth program in the town that I, I live and coach in. Um, very happy with that youth program grew it from my first year i took it over we had i think eight athletes and not this past season during uh covid but the year before that we had 45. so tremendous amount of growth uh really did things differently i think doing things the right way for the majority of our athletes um so i've got a pretty wide wide experience as far as the different ages uh coaching you know, and being a, a man inside the Fraternity of Excellence, Josh runs a weekly fatherhood Zoom. And I just realized as you were saying that I'm so focused on when we're having discussions on fatherhood and parenting, you know, I don't really dive too deep into the the youth sports side of your life. 
I knew that, you know, we had coffee the other day and we were talking about that, but I'm so focused on, you know, my kids being 11 and eight, they're like, that's the window I place all parents into. <laughs> so I don't yeah, even like right. think about high school. Cause I've not, I don't live that. I haven't faced that yet. Right. But it, it's cool to hear how you brought that up. You know, some of the changes you made and maybe we'll get into that a little bit later, but the focus on today and something I want to dive right into is we're both Rhode Island based, but across the entire nation, you know, youth sports have been somewhat manhandled when it comes to whether they're going to open some seasons have opened and then closed on these kids and some never began, you know, and it's detrimental to the development of these athletes. So for starters, you know, what has been your experience watching this play out, you know, from wrestling, but also just at large as a coach. And then, you know, sort of let's get into the topic of now that the doors are opening, you know, how these kids can best get back onto the field, their conditioning, you know, their mindset and the impact you think it's had maybe as a physical therapist on their bodies from, being sedentary for so long man there's a lot to talk about right there uh, whole, <laughs> it's a I big mean, subject <laughs> oh you know so if i don't know if you're familiar or i'm sure the rest of your listening audience isn't um a few weeks ago this at the high school level the state allowed all sports except for wrestling to start back up and me as a wrestling coach that concerned me an awful lot and it concerns me a lot more personally because i get text messages every single day from my athletes what's happening what's happening um when i see them at the coffee shop right so they're going to school i'm heading off to go cure the world um i can see just their flat affect even more so than a typical teenager at six something in the morning right um you know hey how's school going oh it's awful they won't even let us sit next to each other at the lunch we you know we only go part-time or you know we go for a, a week and then the class is quarantined for two and then we go for so the kids lives have been completely disrupted and i was texting some uh parents as well the last couple of weeks and i was asking for some videos i want to do some video analysis of our team's past performances to help make a case to get wrestling reinstated and one of the parents told me oh yeah we have all those uh my son's been watching those you know pretty frequently almost every night he watches an old match <laughs> said oh okay watching film well that's good for me because then you know i have access to the thing i want but why is my senior athlete reliving his high school glory days when he's still in them i, I mean zach what would we what would we think of you know, a mid twenty or a thirty something year old reliving their their glory with Al Bundy. What do we think of them when they relive their high school glory days? We deal with it frequently. These guys who I used to be somebody. You know, right? Like, you still got to be somebody. <laughs> so I mean, there's a huge mental health concern for the adults, right? So if you're twenty something and you haven't found that next thing to to you know define your life by and 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 uh, strive to, there's sadness there. So my my 17, 18 year olds are going through that sadness right now, and it's deeply concerning. So, you know, I started looking at, okay, well, what's what's the mental health picture like of our our youth? So one in four people in the in the pandemic year that we've been in, one in four people ages 18 to 25 have contemplated suicide due to the prohibitions from uh, the pandemic. Um, and so that's a concern. 
And again, my high school seniors are, are 18 now. So uh, that's a really big problem. Um, and, you know, the, the hospitals are flooded with suicide contemplations. Uh, I know the, the state of Rhode Island, every single mental health bed that's available, um, you've got kids waiting in hospitals hoping to get into these mental health specific facilities. Um, it is a huge problem. The next wave of pandemic is uh, what one of the physicians in Rhode Island called it. So it is a huge concern. But not only is it a concern as far as mental health goes, and that's that should be enough, right? But sports can alter the trajectory of someone's life. So even though I coach wrestling, even though I have the majority of my wrestlers don't compete in college, but I had a mom come up to me after the end of a, a career of one of my athletes and said, thank you so much. If it wasn't for wrestling and the confidence he grew from the sport, he wouldn't have entered into the national engineering competition and won it and won a $30,000 a year scholarship to a big time engineering school in Michigan. I have other parents saying, I have other parents coming up to me and saying, if it wasn't for wrestling, my son wouldn't have graduated high school. So that's a big deal, right? If it wasn't for my son, if it wasn't for wrestling, my son would be in jail. I had one parent tell me that, right? So sports can alter the trajectory of kids' lives in ways that it's completely outside the sport. So we, I think we as adults in our communities have a responsibility to restore normalcy as fast as possible for our kids for for the major reasons right the big concerning mental health reasons but also these really subtle ways where i might get a sophomore in high school try out for my sport finds out that he loves it finds out he has a home and a community within my sport and then goes on to great things in his life because one day in high school he was walking by and he saw a wrestling poster come out try out for wrestling on the wall um that moment changed his life and we that is something that is very subtle but we shouldn't take uh we shouldn't underestimate the power of that you know when i'm listening to that people we have infinite choices every single day but when it comes to youth and specifically youth sports that is a huge path for them to walk on you know for myself like i said i'm a little bit behind you with the age of these kids but seeing them go, we started at six, we did for four years, so 10, 11, you know, seeing these kids, the confidence, all these things, similar discussions on a much smaller level. My, my yeah. son had no friends, and now the whole baseball team's at his house. Absolutely. You know, I didn't know, he didn't know how to speak in front of people. He didn't have his voice or confidence, and now he's joking around and, and leading discussions. And I'm just thinking of that amplified. When we shut that down, that's a huge opportunity. We, we, you know, you and I, we talk Very a lot about throwing ropes to help men. That's a huge rope. You know, that's that's like one of the main ones you can throw because team dynamics, like you said, the things learned on the mat for your wrestlers, learned on the field for baseball players and football and beyond, you know, in the pool for swimmers, those lessons transcend that field of play and they're used in the game of life. Absolutely. And how many kids are never going to connect those two dots because we as parents have allowed something to become so overblown that it just it just ripped it away. And it, dude, my heart, I got chills when you were talking about that senior because I'm thinking 
how many kids out there, they, they tried on when they were little, their whole life, maybe their dad was a wrestler and they're going, you know, they're finally going to graduate. They're finally, maybe they didn't go to college, but at least they closed their story. There was an end to it. Right. You know, how many of these athletes out there never got to finish their story? And that is the biggest issue. There's just no end. It's just gone, just stripped away. Well, if that's stripped away from that, that game of play, look at life. If that can be taken away, what's the point of life? You know, the, the jobs are all jacked up. Our economy's all jacked up. Everything's closed. People are hating. That's the world these young men and women are entering. And yeah. you feel for them. You know, I'm like, yeah, that is a huge black cloud over you right now. That sucks. Yeah. And, you know, if you think of it from, you know, put yourself in in these, you know, high schoolers' shoes, you know, you and I have every single person has been affected by the prohibitions from the pandemic and and some you we could justify some we could reason around some we could think it was ridiculous. It doesn't really matter. Right. But this was the first winter I had to go through without wrestling. Um, so it was tough for me. I, you know, yesterday it was finally nice and warm out and man, I, I felt an energy I hadn't felt in a long time. So that 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 winter depression, that seasonal affective disorder. Um, Man, I felt that. It was the first time in, in over 20 years, some 20 something years, I felt that. Um, so we all have been affected by this. Um, but I have other things to f- fill up my life with, right? I, I'm a proud father and I'm working hard every single day to be a better father. Um, I talk with the men inside of the fraternity of excellence all the time. Um, I have connections through that way. Um, I am working and providing for my family. I also am in a job as a physical therapist where I care about my patients and I'm trying to do the best I can for them, right? So I have other things in my life that are really important. Uh, I'm working on my marriage and making sure I'm a better husband every single day, right? I have other things I get to focus on. How many of those things do my 17, 18-year-olds have? Can't find a job, right? I mean, jobs are hard to come by. So even if they could you know, go out and be a busboy of a restaurant. Oh, well, depends on the, if the restaurant's open or not. Right. And, and the, the capacity of that, why hire an 18 year old kid to be a busboy if we can only seat 25% of our restaurant. Um, so there's, you know, sports take up such an important part of their life that we hope dwindles and they replace it with bigger and better things. But right now as an 18 year old, that's a huge chunk of their life they're missing. You know, and I, I can think of the people saying, well, they should get up and back in the day, they had World War II, they had Vietnam, they had Korea. And it it almost goes, they almost prove my point there. There is no great war or calling for these these boys and uh, men and women to go to. There is no like great, th- all right, I can go and I can serve my country or I can go and stick it to this man. Or yeah, there's no greater good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's COVID. Right. You're not like... There's nothing for you to go. So these people, I've had multiple say, well, it's time for them to get a job. What the hell are you talking? What job? Like, yeah, what, what job? What war? What job? What do you think these kids should go and do? There's nothing for them. You know, right. and it's, we talk a lot about parenting. And so that part of my brain says, well, parents should be with these kids and trying to find what that next thing is, at least in the interim, to get them to getting back on the field to play. But for many of these seniors, uh, be it high school or college, that aren't going pro or aren't going to the collegiate level, Right. It's over. That was it. And and poof, you know, there goes that, that fairy tale ending, that homecoming as a senior, you know, finally that last time in the mat where you can kiss the mat, slap it and say, hey, good job. That right. was stripped of these kids. You know, and it's, it, it is it is a frustrating thing. Like my brain is you know, starting to get worked up on it. 
But you know, that's that's where we're at. The other part of this though is having the discussion for those who are behind. And you're working to bring this up for those who their curtain hasn't closed yet. Right. So you want to talk to that a little bit about opening it up, why you think we should open it up, what your argument is to present a case where uh, legislators will see, oh, maybe maybe it is time to to release the floodgates. Well, so all of the things we just talked about is why it's important, right? So um, it's easy for these you know, people who make these decisions to shut down sports or, or anything, right? And, and it's, it's easy to ignore the repercussions of those, right? So even if we could say, all right, well, they're, they're trying to make the best decision based on their information and what their restrictions are. Let's, let's think positively about those decision makers. They're trying to do their best. They just might have it be in a tough spot to do it. Um, some can argue against that, that's for sure. But let's let's put them in a positive light for this conversation. Um, what's ignored a lot of the times is those repercussions, right? These decisions aren't free. There is a repercussion to it. So that's why we should be really careful with with how we restrict sports or any activity, call it anything, whether you know, drama club, uh, chorus, band, you know art club whatever it might be we have to be really cautious about that and now with all of the data that we've had we've had it for a year um how many states have had athletics how many have not how many countries have had it what are some sensible rule changes versus not um where are we in a in this pandemic vaccines are rolling out uh i think i saw one in five rhode islanders have had at least one um round of vaccinations so you know, and if kids aren't transmitters of this this particular virus, then let's let's be aggressive in returning their normalcy as fast as possible. Um, that's what my uh, big argument is. I've got a lot that I could go on. Um, I know we want to get into more uh, topics, so I'll. Hold yeah, I was on that. just thinking. You know, I was like, man, I'm really starting to dive into his activist yeah. side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, we, let's shift back to the physical therapist side, the coach side of the house. <laughs> let's go there. I think that'll be good. So, for those listening, what started this whole conversation was a discussion on athletes returning to play after an off season of of sedentary living. You know, they're stuck indoors. Many of whom did not have access to a gym. Uh, a few probably had access to a home gym, but they didn't have that level of intensity. You know, their parents, you know, like like myself, I've been coaching. I have all the tools. I have all the, the medicine balls, the bands. So I'm sitting there training, 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 you know, and I'm thinking about his peers. And Josh and I were having a discussion on, you know, those kids who come back from sitting on that couch to to back to the field of play. You know, they're they're not going to be used to not having that edge. They've been doing it for so long that they're used to in the season, they hit their form, they hit their stride, they crush it. And they've been sitting for a year and their body's not going to respond the same. So Josh, with those guys in mind, what is your view on these kids who are returning to play? And what do you think, you know, coaches should be looking for these athletes and parents should be looking for when they first bring their kid back to, let's say their first year after a year off into whatever their sport is. Yeah. And and so this conversation is a lot different than, you know, what you took the summer off and now summer and fall off in my wrestling team. And I thought you're going to be 145 pounder. All of a sudden you're at a buck 80, right? So that's a different conversation than what you and I are talking about. Now, this isn't the regular man. You really lost focus. You yeah. Know, this isn't an off season. <laughs> it's an off. No, <laughs> this. Yeah. So 
here's what I would say. It's going to be so great for our athletes to concentrate on something mentally that they can achieve. There's something tangible in front of them that they can, they can form a bond around with the team to focus on achieving something that is going to be fantastic. But here's what I'll say. Our athletes are returning to the sport, whatever sport it might be after so much prohibition. So they have not been able to, right? So the basketball player in towns all across Rhode Island, dude, <laughs> they've been taking basketball nets, the rims off of backboards yep. to prevent, you know, kids from playing with one another. So if you got a basketball hoop at your home, okay, well you can still work in a shot. If you don't, you used to go to the park. Now you couldn't have worked on your shot. So the tip, this is going to be tough for me. The typical ball busting that would go on after the athlete who uh, took the off season off, we've got to really focus on the positivity and, and focus on the bringing them along, bringing them back. Um, they've had it taken away from them. It wasn't a voluntary thing. Sure, yeah, you could have grabbed a couple of concrete blocks and worked out. You could have filled up water jugs and did some exercise. Um, but honestly, if you haven't had, if you didn't have a, a parent driving you to do that and giving you that focus and giving you that outlet and giving you that training at some level, um, you were off on your own as a 11 year old as a 14 year old as a 18 year old and that's that's really outside it's for a lot of our our youth athletes it's unrealistic for them to think oh i got baseball eventually in my life again let me go work out that's unrealistic right um so we are going to see a lot of difficulties from our athletes and it, it's probably some of it's going to come out in sports right so when your your baseball team returns and the top four hitters of last year three of them just can't get their swing right for the first month or two of the season they might be extra emotional about that they might be extra um extra hurt by that because they used to be good. Now they're not. It was taken away from them. And some of it might just be a reflection of the pent-up anger of the last year. So I think more than anything, we as coaches and parents need to be more supportive and less about, less about, you know, you got to get two hits. That wasn't good enough. You know, you got to, you know, push the opponent off the mat. You got to, you know, less about that and more supportive more of we'll get it right tomorrow, more of we can do this, um, bringing them back to positivity. So I think we're going to see a lot of the, finally, that's an outlet of emotion. And those first few weeks or maybe month or two back is going to be really tough. And we might see some abnormal behavior from our athletes that we should just be in tune with. And it's not they hate the sport or they hate the coach or whatever. It's there's a lot of frustration that they're releasing from the last year. No, I, I think that is, I, I concur. And I think that is something that we, I'm glad you brought up because it's easy to sort of disregard, you know, like it's easy to be like, just brush it off. Like, Nope, just try harder. Like you, you you're going to have to listen to these kids, you know, and for a lot of them, the ones, the hard workers that, that put themselves to be one of the, the top four in the lineup, they worked hard for many years to get there. So when they're struggling, you know, 
they, they were literally stripped of their, their outlet for a year, a year yeah. plus, you know, for many. And that's, that's a closer point of pride. You know, they were proud to be that big hitter. They, that's where they found that, you know, belief in self and that confidence is they worked hard and they got the result. And now that's gone. And they're, they're like, God, like it, it's, it's a part of their identity. I worked hard to get this and that was taken from right. me. And now I'm not a good hitter. So who am I? You know, now, now I just yeah. suck. Now I'm horrible. Now where are the kids who always struggled? They're like, well, I just struggle. It's another year of struggling. You know, it's just another year of me trying to figure out how to swing a bat. Not that it's bad or, or better, you know, I mean, better or worse, but it's deeper for the, the kid who worked hard and got something. And then it just slipped away. And to your point on, you know, the, the intangibles of coaching, you know, that's something you're going to have to work more on all of us. And I appreciate how you try balancing between the sports, swinging a bat, pushing them off the mat, you know, shooting the shot. This is for everybody to include, like you said, that drama as actor or actress. Absolutely. They've not had a stage to stand on to speak to, you know, in Winsocket, we've got a showcase cinema. All right. Not showcase cinema, but we have a big uh, play and an auditorium and everything. And they've had no shows. And last year I told Jackie, we're going to get season passes. We're going to go to more plays. We're going to support these arts. This is a beautiful thing. Yeah, They've not been able to do their craft. So this goes for all youth athletes, individuals, artists. It's been a year off and we're going to have to help build that confidence back up. And like you said, there will be frustrations. So how do you plan to deal with these new rules? You've got to bounce between mask, no mask, sanitizing, not sanitizing. When it comes to the new regulations with sports, and I know you're wrestling, so let's talk wrestling, but I guess anything applies for the rest of us. Yeah. How do you plan to navigate that with your athletes? Well, so I just want to touch on one last little point of the frustration that can bring into the new season. I think we as parents, so I, I balance a, uh, this is a tough conversation because I, I, I speak a lot from a coach's perspective. I can also speak from the parenting's perspective. So from a parent who's not a coach, you should also be looking at the coach and checking in on how they're doing, right? Because if the if the team isn't doing well and they flip out a little bit too much one day, it might be their pent up frustration from the last year too. And you might need to bring that coach aside and say, "Hey, man, we're all okay here. We'll get it right tomorrow. You need to be better tomorrow too." So check in with your coaches too. That there's probably some um, adverse events that's been happening with their life too. So just keep an eye out for that. Uh, as well. So what are we going to do about the new rules? So every single sport has new rules that we're adjusting to, right? Are we wearing a mask? Are we not? How does that work? Wrestling's a little different. Uh, in wrestling, I try to teach my kids to embrace discomfort in every single way that we possibly can. Um, I want you to lose a thousand times in practice. That way, when we, in our competition, we're ready to win, right? So we, we had, we've uncovered all of our weaknesses by losing a thousand times in practice. Um, we're going to wear face masks in, during our practices because I, I don't care if we don't have to, or if we do it, like some of the rules might, it might change frequently right one week we might have to wear it one week we might not all it has to do is the cases tick up by a half a percent and all of a sudden someone says oh no this is too much right so um we are going to embrace discomfort we are going to embrace challenges and that's something that's a really helpful lesson for our uh kids to learn um you know we said earlier the Sports are teaching our kids about life. We're hoping to instill life lessons and, and these positive traits that sports can help develop. Uh, and embracing challenges is one of them. So yeah, wearing a mask sucks. Wearing a mask while you're wrestling, really tough. 
trying to breathe with that awful, you know, um, but let's get through it. It's a challenge we can work through and your opponent on the other side, whether it's, you know, other side, the, the baseball pitcher or the batter or, um, the guy you're swimming against, they've all had their own battles that they've had to overcome too. So it's a level playing field still. It's not, it's not North Kingstown has to have masks on and, and, uh, Woonsocket doesn't right there. We're all facing the same fight. Um, so there's going to be interesting sports specific, uh, challenges. That's for sure. Um, some are going to be fine and some are, but as a coach, my job is to follow the rules to a T cause I can't risk anything happening to ruin my season. Right. So if I, if, a rule comes out that I have to wash my mats every 30 minutes. All right. Well, that's a huge pain. I'm going to do it. Even though I might not agree with it. I mean, we wash our mats before and after practice, but if the rule of the decision maker says every 30 minutes, okay, well, I, as the advocate for the sport, I can go to that decision maker and try to educate them as best as I can. But if that's the rule, I'm following it to a T because I, I don't want someone walking through and saying, Oh, you missed the time. You know, shut it you, down. you shut it down, right? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that for my team. Um, I'm not doing that for the sport throughout the state. I don't want to have to make a negative impact for us. So um, the lesson is we have challenges and man, our kids. I, I Can you think of a better generation that, you know, that is going to face challenges? Who's going to be the, like, there's no challenge anymore to their lives. They've went through it. Right. So they're going to hopefully as an adult, these kids are going to harness this, these valuable, this year that nobody's faced in a hundred years. Um, hopefully they can learn from it and see that we can get through anything with hard work. Um, and that's the key for the lesson that these sports can change that can teach us. You know, I'm glad you brought that angle up too, because a lot of us, and I admittedly myself, that part in the back of your head that's just like, no, we're going to do what's right and not these ridiculous things. But I, I realized when I am not, it's not just myself I'm dealing with when I'm coaching the team or when I'm dealing with others outside of just me, I do go into, all right, what are the, the buoys? And I'll, I'll touch them. I'll go to that edge, but I yeah. will not cross it because the greater goal is not to stick it to the man. The greater goal is to create an environment in which these kids can operate. It's not about your individual, you know, planting your flag. This is the hill. I'm not wearing a mask. Right. It's not about you, coach. No, no. It's about the team coming together. And what I found works really well, and let me know if you follow this or if you disagree, you know, oftentimes when you're a coach, you're in a unique position in these kids' lives. You're not a parent, you're not a friend, but you're, you're a non-parent who they listen and they follow. And you can talk to them in a way that maybe parents wouldn't be able to, you know, the message is better received. And in that, I use that. There were many times, you know, coming up where maybe the rules changed or the ump said we had to do something a certain way we've never had to do before. And I would tell them like, yeah, guys, this does suck. This is the, I don't like this either. But here's what we have to operate within this because we want to play. So we've got to do it this way. And it's like the first time an adult told them, yeah, I'm also angry. You know, normally yeah. it's like, no, don't be mad, guys. Don't be. No, it's OK to be mad. Yes, it's frustrating. It's stressful. Maybe that allows them to share some of that built up stress you were talking about, because as a coach, you're reciprocating. They're seeing it's okay to be angry. You right. still have a job to do. 
Yeah. And uh, I love that message. And I would also add on to it. Anytime there's a new rule, there's slow adaptations to it. Right. Uh, so in wrestling, we get new rules all the time. Uh, one of the biggest ones that the two biggest ones in wrestling were in order for me to take my opponent down I, before I used to have two supporting, I had needed my feet in bounds in order to score a takedown. Now it's two supporting points between the two wrestlers. So I could have one foot. And now opponent can have one foot. So that changes things, right? So we used to drag our toes on the mat. Now we can, we have much more space and we just have to be more aware of it. Well, anytime there's a new rule, there's an advantage to whoever adapts to the new rule, the fastest. So for me, a, I coach a well-coached team. Uh, I'll pat myself on the back for that, right? Um, new rules are an advantage for a team like us. We're ready for it. We're going to practice it. We're going to talk about it all the time. We're going to get. We're going to use this new rule as a tool to help us succeed. Um, and and uh, I was talking with the the state last week, advocating for my sport, and the mask came up. And honestly, my team is one of the best conditioned teams in the state. We win matches at the end of the match. All the kids are tired and we are not. Masks are going to help me. Put mask on everybody. I'll win even more matches in the third period. That's fine. I am ready. Um, advocate for the sport. I don't think we have to, but I'm going to use that's a huge advantage for me. So, yeah, rules. I like what you say. We can all be frustrated together. Um, but we can also use these as tools to gain a competitive advantage. And when you look at what's the alternative, stamping your feet and dragging it out, right. well, now you're going to be in the, the end of the season when they enforce it, like, hey, follow the rule, you're not going to play, Yeah, and you're not ready. You're not Absolutely. conditioned, you're not prepared because you refuse to acknowledge it or engage and train it into your regimen. Absolutely. So something else that I wanted to pick your brain on was these kids, their conditioning, uh, maybe weight game, they're coming back into the season not in their best shape. <laughs> you know, they're coming off the couch because, like I said, they couldn't see their friends. They couldn't run around. They couldn't play their right. sport. You know, what is your advice? In it, I know wrestling is specific to you have weight classes. Yeah. I think there are going to be a lot of parents where it's it's more general, like soccer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. What, Absolutely. What's your advice for these parents to help get those kids back in motion besides just um, that one practice a week or two practices a week? <laughs> Well, I mean, let's do more than one or two practices a week is the first thing, right? And even if you – I'm not a big fan of playing on six different soccer teams or four different baseball teams. I think there's there's uh, there's a Goldilocks formula where, you know, something's too hot or something's too cold. We got to find that middle ground. Um, but here's what I would tell the parents. Other than a senior athlete, senior and high school athlete or senior in college as well. Uh, but senior high school athlete, other than that, this year, our goal is to work hard, learn a bunch, knock a bunch of rust off. And this year is to set us up for success for next year. This year is the building block. We're, we're, we're foundation. We should be foundation building every year. We should just be working on more and more getting ready for the next year, more and more. Um, but yeah, if you got, uh, a 13 year old soccer player. This is their last year of middle school. You're hoping that they're going to get better for high school. Yeah. We're building a foundation. Now that this next year is the foundation to springboard for a successful, hardworking next year. Um, and I think uh, I, I bet you most of the people listening to your podcast will be in that 
camp of we we're working hard all the time. We'll find a way, right? That's, that's your message. And that's, that that's really powerful. Um, the parents who took their own foot off the gas, took their eye off of their kid from doing those things. And now all of a sudden it's sports time. And well, why aren't we doing this? Those are the parents that need talking to is saying, well, first of all, mom or dad, you're the one who lost focus. The kid is just being a kid. Um, and let's rearrange our focus to, we got to lose 30 pounds. Now we got to get back in shape. Now this year is a building block for next year. I think it's an excellent message of reminder because I, a lot of people listening to this podcast are, they're here for a reason. You know, they, they came across something that stumbled onto, all right, this dude talks about family and being better. But I, I, I often think it gets overlooked when it comes to uh, delivering that message to the child. You know, they don't have a Zach in their ear. They don't have a Josh in their ear that mom or dad does, you know, and they've got to bring that to the child's life. And for many young athletes, I see their parents squared away, motivated, driven, but they view in this to baseball. Well, their, their time with the team is the only training time of that sport. And I can't right. tell you how contrast the, the contrast between those who practice at home and with the team compared to those who only practice when they're dropped off at practice. It's night and day, the trajectory oh, of their skill sets, their, their foundation, like you said, the foundational movements, their understanding of the game in this season with, with what's going on. I think it's even the spotlight is more on the parents making it a part of the, the entire family routine, getting active, eating right, you know, properly eating before and after games, uh, getting some drills. I'm always stressing dads, you know, Hey, when you get home from work and they, the kid says, Hey, I want to play catch or kick the ball or whatever, you know, instead of saying, Oh, I need to go relax. Like go kick the ball, go yeah. play catch. That's even more like more important now because we're trying to play catch up here. And it, it, it works, you know, <laughs> like at the end of the day, the parents who put that time into their kids, it works. The kids do get better. Right. But there's, there's an extreme that we don't want to go th- to either. Right. So especially now you jump on the soccer field and all of a sudden your kid's slow. They used to be fast, you know, their footwork's not right. So we want to engage them. We want to supplement their training. We want to encourage, we want to go kick the soccer ball around. We want to set up some cones and who can do this the fastest. I'll be goalie. You're going to try to you know score on me, right? We want to have fun and use this as, as connecting activity, right? And that's a huge key, right? When we're, when parents are helping this, helping supplement these activities, it should be a connecting activity. Um, we don't want there to be all of a sudden, John, I used to be the fastest on the team. Now you're finishing last in every race. Guess what? We're out training every single day. Hills. You're like, well, no, no, it, it should be a connecting activity. It should be encouraging we don't need to win the race tomorrow. Again, we want, we want progress over time is the key for anything. Um, You get 1% better every single day. That's going to be way better than trying to jump up 30% this week because the there's, there's danger of jumping up 30% in one week. If it naturally happens, great. But when we try to force it, that's when we burn kids out. That's when they learn to hate the sport I'm going to quit soccer. I don't want to run. I have my dad yet. I just got home from school. Johnny and I got into a fight. He, I thought he was my friend. We got into a fight at the lunch table. I like playing soccer with my friends, but now my dad's yelling at me to go faster every day. I'm, I'm quitting. I hate soccer now. 
well, that's not what we want, right? Because then we've lost a tool to help build our kids, develop our kids in all the ways that sports or other activities can. The independence, the delayed gratification, um, all of those. And we could come up with a big, long list. Why are sports specifically, but really any extra activity, why are they? Why do we hold so much value as, as fathers? Why do we want to do it? Um, well, when we drive our kid out of the sport, we lose that opportunity to have that tool to help us teach those valuable lessons. So yeah, we should be we should be supplementing their training for especially the youth level. We're only practicing a couple of times a week. Really, really helpful. But let's use it as connecting activity. Now, let me present this to you though. With that kid who they see, oh man, I got slow, I got fat, you know, I got my, my coordination's off, and they start hyper training at home. They start that hyper, you know, acceleration. How do you deal with speaking with your athletes or your own children? on overtraining to prevent them from chin splints, you know, hurting themselves, you know, burning out too quick. Yeah. Um, so going from zero to a hundred isn't good. <laughs> True. And so we have to, kids can withstand a lot more than we as adults can. Right. So if you and I were to, if we're not runners, if we were to go out and run three miles a day, six days a week, we would get hurt. That, that wouldn't take long for those cumulative traumas to, to those cumulative micro injuries to pile up on us. Uh, kids can do a lot more. They're just because their cells are growing, right? They're, they've got so much cellular growth. Um, so they can go at a slightly higher pace than what we would, but overtraining isn't a good thing. And we have to be really concerned about that. So those minor aches and pains we've got to eliminate. So if we're doing a lot of sprinting, soccer's a great soccer, basketball are, are great examples of this, where if we're doing a lot of sprinting in the early season of our sport, we probably don't want to be doing a lot of sprinting on the other time. So if your practice is a bunch of sprinting, let's make our off time about stick handling and and shooting. So there's ways that you can can train without with just having enough cross training within the sport. And that'll help a lot with, with prevention of, of these injuries. Um, there's a couple of things about overtraining that we can also look at. Um, and what's tough is, and I, I've had it where, you know, especially the seniors, they see their seat, their career winding down. They see that they have this goal and they see, man, this, this mountain is starting to get pretty steep to climb. So they start going crazy with it. Um, one of my greatest areas of concern is my athletes burning out and overtraining because it can happen really quick, especially in weight class sports where if, if we're, you know, cutting weight and, and being in a too small of a weight class from the time they're in fourth grade on, they're not, they're going to quit by the time they're in high school or they're going to be so, um, they're going to be so overtrained, malnourished that it's just their goals aren't going to be accomplished. So what the key signs for a parent to look at are if the minor injuries are piling up one day, it's the right knee. Next day, it's the left hip. Now it's, now it's, you know, the bottom of my foot. Now it's my heel. If all of these little minor injuries are always happening, that's a sign that we need to examine. All right, what are we doing? Um, and the next couple gets gets to be a little tricky. Um, other signs are sleep disturbances. 
So, all right, if you got teenager, how are you going to tell a sleep disturbance, right? So they're <laughs> sleeping all the time anyway, right? Um, so whether it's sleeping, all of a sudden sleeping too much more or not enough, can't get a good night's sleep, you might say, oh, I just have good, good night's sleep. So that is another sign. Another sign that can be tough for our teenage and preteen population, increased moodiness. So this is one of those things that a lot of parents say, well, he's always moody. He's a teenager, right? They brush it off. Well, hold on. Let's, let's really examine this. And if now, if that's part of these other things, we've got to start thinking about this a little closer. And here's a completely subjective uh, thing. But for me, it's, it's one that I, I, this is the test that I always come back to. They look slow. And, and this isn't, you know, coming off a year off, they're slow right now. This is, man, earlier in the season, they were, I thought they were quick. Their feet were moving good. Now they just look slow out there. You know, we're three months into the season or, you know, we're doing so many two-a-days. We're playing on three different baseball teams. They just look slow out there. Um, that's that's one subjective, but, it, man, it you as a, as a coach, I can see it really well. I'm not sure if a parent can. Um, as much because uh, as a coach, I see them every day and I, I have a memory bank of what their abilities are. Um, so th- those are some signs of overtraining and burnout that we have to be aware of. And then got to look at what are we doing and how can we do it? How can we change the plan? You know, and I think that plays to the involvement of the parent, you know, you kind of have to be there. You have to see them. You got to listen right. to them. If the kid comes home from practice and they go straight to their room and you don't see them because they're on their phone and then it's bedtime. You don't know how they feel. You don't know where their head's at. You don't know what's going on. You know, and it's, it's a tragedy how many kids have, have suffered preventable pain because they had no outlet. They had no connection. They had no one to talk to. And their home was just, it was people living together, but nobody interacting with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad. Really sad. Yeah, the neglected kids that have two parents at home. It, you know, the absent parent they see daily. You know, that's, that's yeah, kind of like yeah, my yeah. angle on it. It's, Absolutely. You think you're doing everything right. Like, I brought him to practice. I brought him home. It's it's so hard to kind of break that conditioning of, well, that's that's it. A roof overhead and a meal on the table. It, it's 2021. You know, the rules of the 1920s and 1950s are gone. We're living in a new age. And that's to where I'm not saying you've got to hyper-specialize your child in a sport, but you have to do more than the bare minimum of just dropping it. Like speak to them, engage, especially with what's going on now, the mental health, you know, to bring it back. We're so focused on sport performance. Obviously that's the nature of this discussion, but the mental side of the house is just as important, you know, dealing with a kid who struck out six times in a row. That's between the ears. That's not physical capability for many, for many, you know, for the kids I coach, it's not. It's up in the head. You know, their bodies can do it. Yeah. Something, something's not right up there. As a coach, like you said, I've got all these like data points and I can see, oh, the bat's dipping. But you know what you're looking for. I know what I'm looking for. Some of these parents, they don't know and you don't need to know. All they no. need you for, let the coach coach. They need you to engage. They need you to yeah. take care of that other side of the house where maybe the coach can't. So how do you, you know, or what, what is your advice for parents who, Maybe they want to start cracking that shell with their athlete, but they've never had that conversation. So they don't even know where to start on checking in. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a bunch there too. So it's never been easier to ignore your kids. 
<laughs> I've never you know, heard like, <laughs> it's true. And, you know, but let, let's think about it, right? So you drop your kid off at school, you pick them, they go straight to sports practice, sports practice, they come home, got to cram in a little bit of homework. Now we got to cram in dinner. Now we got to cram in one other thing and then it's off to bed, right? So it's so easy to miss your kids to, to just not have time for them. And how much in that time are we spent following up on emails for work or answering a phone call or, you know, talking to men in fraternity, right? So it's so easy to get distracted. And that's never mind the the time vampires of are you playing games on your phone that you don't need to, or are you scrolling social media when you don't need to, right? Um, so it's so easy. And then for the kids, same thing, right? So they school, practice, home, homework. They want to connect with their friends. So they're on their social media. They're playing their games, right? So it's so easy for us to be ships passing in the night and never actually interact with one another. So making deliberate time for that is crucial, crucial, crucial. Um, now, how about sports specific? How do we connect with them sports specific? I think as the as a parent, your job is to understand what the sports goal is. So for my wrestling team, we're going to push the pace in the first period. We're going to score the first takedown. We're going to score the last points of the period. We're going to get out from bottom. And when we're on top, we're going to bring our uh, opponents back down to the mat hard to make them think about, do they really want to wrestle anymore this match? Those are the elements I'm looking for. And that's my criteria for success. So, if the parent doesn't understand that and they just watched the match and they lost a, a three to two decision against a wrestler who might've been awesome, might've been terrible. We don't know, but me as a coach, I'm looking for those things. Those are the elements I'm looking for. You do those things. We're going to win more matches than not. And after the course of four years uh, being coached by me, we're going to rack up a bunch of medals on the state state championship stage. Anything outside of that, I don't care about your win or loss. Win today, lose today. I really don't care. Do those things. And the more often we do those things, we'll be better and better. So you as a parent need to understand the philosophy of the team because not everybody has my coaching philosophy in, in the sport of wrestling, right? I, I have a coach that I really respect. His philosophy is to play the edge of the match, be conservative with the energy in the first periods. That way you have more at the end. Um, you as the parent need to to understand that underlying philosophy. So that way, when there is a tough loss, you can then say, well, what do, what were you supposed to do in the first period? Push the pace score the first period. Well, did you? No. Okay. Well, what do you think went wrong with that? Ah, you know, I just wasn't ready. All right. Well, why, why weren't you ready? Ah, you know, my girlfriend, she got into a fight with me at lunch and I just, I was looking for her in the stands. All right, so now we're decoding the message as to what the problem is, and now we can find a solution. If we only look at the win or the loss, let's say that in that example, we won the match three to two, but we didn't do those elements. Well, to me, that's that's a bad thing. That's not a good match. We need to fix those things. So I think if we can decode those messages um, and interact with our kid in that level, it's not about the wins and losses. That is one of the least important things. Um, the outcome yeah we've we've been wrestling since we were eight this kid started last week who cares about beating that kid good for it shake his hand thanks for coming out man i keep wrestling keep working hard you'll get it but we don't care about beating that kid we care about winning the big matches so um so i think as a parent your job on the ride home how's it going what'd you work on today 
stay away from adding coaching. Oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. Not needed. Not needed in that moment, at least. Uh, in that moment, we just need to be supportive and ask more questions rather than give more advice. It's and, incredible. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and the last thing I would say is compliment what you do see. So if we lost a tough match, the kid's pissed, but I think we wrestled a great match. We just ended up on the losing side of it. If you did all of those elements and we still ended up losing, man, we got to shake our hand to that, that that opponent, man. Good for you for beating me, and I did all my things. So when they're pissed and you're driving home, you get to say, hey, I saw a couple of big mat returns. I'm surprised that kid got up after those. I saw you push that pace in the first period. You were running him all around. Did you see how tired he was in the third period? Right. So if we keep bringing it back to that stuff, we're complimenting what we're seeing, even though we lost a tough match. Um, or we, you know, let's make a baseball analogy. Hey, you know what? You were on the mound. You gave up four hits, but I saw you had your good composure. Your your technique was right. Your your form was good. You know, you kept you looked off the the base runner, like whatever the elements that you would want to see. And if you don't know a lot about the sport, you should talk to your coach about that to to ask, hey, what do I talk to my kid on the way home? Um, what do you want to see more of? That way I'll be on the lookout for it. And I can either say either it happened or it didn't, or you as a parent get to say, What do you think about these five elements? Did you do them well? And th then it just kind of, you're guiding your athlete to self-critique and self-coach. You know, which they're going to be doing. You know, when you're like, oh, you should have done this, you should have, they know. You know, on yeah. that ride home, they're, yeah. they're going, they're replaying it all in their head. Every single move they made, every single, you know, I did do or did not do the thing in that moment. They're replaying it all. So yeah. it's, as you were saying, you know, I've got this whole thing going through my head as my experiences. And it's incredible, the, the universal nature of sport. It's yeah. such a beautiful thing. I'm like, man, I remember, you know, it was the, the inning before the final inning. So we do six at little league. He was the bottom of the fifth bases were loaded and the kid was up. This kid never swung and all his work. I was like, dude, just swing the bat. And yeah. he swung and he struck out. And so we, we left men on whatever we ended up winning the game. But I remember one of the parents saying something about keeping the eye on the ball. Like they were, they were critiquing him. On the moment in front of everyone, I know dude, I ran from first base. I grabbed that kid. I turned him in front of me. I was like, "You finally swung!" Yes, I was. Yeah. So, I yeah, built, yeah. dude. His eyes lit up because to me, I don't care if you hit the ball. He had the confidence to swing the bat. Yeah. That was my win. That would do. That was like glorious. I was like, "Finally, you, you you're there. You saw it. You swung." Yeah. And it it wasn't just to to show the parents, but I wanted them to see too. Don't now is not the time for this. Let's look at what happened properly. Let's look at the good right. here. Absolutely. He's already down. He knows what just happened, you know, yeah. so why pile on? But as a coach, and like you said, you know, even when you lose the match, if you did the, if you check those boxes, that's, we're looking long-term here. I'm not trying to be Absolutely. the best 10 year old, you know, little league championship. Like that's my aim is to make you a great ball player. But how many do look, look at that? That's the thing. I mean, that you get hyper -focus. so focused on that. And I, in order to be the best 10 year old, you're going to overtrain your kid. In order to be the best 10 year old, you're going to turn the parent is going to turn into the drill sergeant rather than the, the supportive parent and letting the coaches coach instead of instead of 
helping them succeed and providing them whatever resources they need to succeed, you become the the one who's pushing them instead of instead of driving them to practice, you're dragging them out of bed to drag them to practice, right? So um, I hate, you know, the mindset of I'm going to be the best 10 year old, we need to do this more. We no, 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 I don't. Because the the risk is we become the best 10 year old and we are away from the sport as a 15 year old. Yeah. And now you're, apex. you're that guy saying, I used to be somebody remember in middle school right. when I pitched that, bro, yeah. you're, you're 16 years old. <laughs> right. And, and maybe your glory days are behind you. Maybe that's not, they're reliving the glory days. Maybe they just don't love the sport anymore. Right. So he, here's what I would say. The top three things a parent needs to do to help their kids develop. We need to have the mindset that progress is better than winning. Right. And when I talk about all my checklist of things after a match, if you did these things, we're going to win more matches than we're not. And after four years of training under me, you're going to win a lot of matches. Um, Progress is better than winning. And if you fail, like swinging the bat and missing, fail better is a is a term I stolen from Andy Rovit, who was a 2008 Olympian that I had in for uh, wrestling camp a few years ago. Fail better. So. If you struck out on three pitches and you never took the bat off your shoulder, hey, you swung, struck out on three pitches, but you failed better. Great. Now, next time, we foul off a pitch. Now we strike out on four pitches. Hey, we failed better, man. And and then we just keep getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer. So progress is better than winning. The number two thing that we can uh, do for our kids and develop them as athletes is develop a love for their sport. And how many times do we say that already in this conversation, develop love for the sport. So if we're driving them to three different teams and driving them all around and burning them out, they're going to learn to hate the sport. So, and each kid has a different, different intensity that they can be at, at a different stage in their life. I would rather have an athlete who was never serious until high school in, in wrestling. It's never serious until high school, but they've been at the sport for eight years. All right. Well, I know you've got a fundamental skill set that if you love the sport, you're ready to work hard and get really good at it. Um, better than a kid who's been driven into the ground. I can't tell you how many great freshmen that I thought, wow, this kid's really going to be something. And they've quit before their sophomore season just because they're done. Their, their, their life meter in the sport has, it has drained all the way down. Um, so develop a love for the sport, everything that could go along with that. So having team parties, having their friends on the team over the trips, trips down to these. I There's a big uh, youth tournament in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and I was listening to a parent. And he said, yeah, we're going to go to Tulsa this weekend. I said, oh, good. Good luck. And he, he looks at his son. He goes, we're not going all that way to lose two matches because in the wrestling tournament, it's typically uh, two losses and you're done. And I thought, like, as soon as he said that, I said, okay, well, now that kid's going to lose two matches. Yeah, There's man. too much pressure, <laughs> right? So instead of taking the vacation to do the sport, let's take a vacation as a family. And we also have this added benefit of, hey, we got to do the sport while we're down in, in Oklahoma. Let's go sightseeing. Let's go have this fun. I can't wait to. Here's my itinerary. Oh, by the way, we also have this tournament. But the day before, we're going to have this fun. The day after, we're going to stay an extra day. We're going to have this fun. Um, so develop a love for the sport. 
Uh, that's, that's the number two thing. The number three thing is develop confidence. And it's really hard to develop confidence. It's really easy to destroy it. So just like where you were saying about the parents chirping in the stands, keep your eye on the ball. It's like, you just destroyed his confidence. Just clap. Say nothing. Do do nothing. Nothing Doing is better nothing than what you just did. <laughs> is way better, right? So, um, and that's what I talk about. Uh, and it goes along with progress is better than winning, right? So if we can say you got better today, you did better against that opponent, that pitcher, you did better against that pitcher than you did before. Your swim times, even though you came in last in the meet, your times were better than the last time you ran, you swam this race. So. How can we develop confidence? And I think the big thing for parents, and we probably don't have enough time to dive into this uh, more. I hope we can have another conversation. But I think parents destroy confidence more away from the sport than within it. So what I mean by that, I read a study where uh, they got a bunch of parents in the room, a bunch of kids in the room. Okay, go play. And the average kid receives some sort of correction every nine minutes. Whether it's don't take his toy, whether it's that's not how you do things, that's, oh, no, that's a square shape. This is the square hole, right? Some sort of correction every nine minutes. Sometimes it's, you know, a punishment. Sometimes it's just advice, right? How can our kids de- de- develop? Your, your son's 11, you said? Correct. So 11 a wacky age where <laughs> you're, you're going to get kids who are in the middle of puberty that are six foot one, and you're going to get kids that aren't even close that are five foot two, right? So, you know, six, one with a mustache throwing 72 miles an hour facing a kid who's not even close to puberty yet. Right. So that is a really wacky physiological age for kids. Um, how can we say, all right, son, you know, I realize this guy's shaving. He's shaving in between innings. Uh, You can get a hit on him, you know, Saturday morning. Although Friday night, all I did every nine minutes, six times an hour was tell you how you did something wrong or you don't know how to do something. So I would really recommend parents look into different ways they can communicate with your kids and keep developing confidence outside of the sport. I think... I can I can give my kids sports specific confidence, but if they don't have it internally because they've been overcorrected all of their lives every nine minutes for seventeen years, that's a tough hill for me as a coach to to climb. Um, so that is something I really want to have parents. So those three things: progress, fail better, right? Progress is better than winning. Develop a love for the sport and everything that goes along with it, and develop confidence every single step of the way that you can. Uh, those are incredible metrics and as you said there we we got to half of the things i wanted to talk to you about yeah you know i've got i know busy man working man going out leading the way so what we'll do you know this will be part one of part of of a two-part series so i'm gonna we got to get you back behind the mic man this is too solid of a message you know and there's there's still so much more for parents of athletes that we need to dive into we need to flesh out a little bit more so i look forward to getting you back on you know once we wrap this all up we'll get that scheduled uh, before you go, one question, if there was a, a starting point now, one piece of advice to just these parents are like, all right, they finally gave us permission. We're going to go play soccer. What's the one thing you want to remind them? Have fun. This is finally the time they get to have fun. Um, 
we can worry about winning matches later. We can worry about uh, hitting the ball better. Man, I, it would be great at the youth level. Um, I would just say, okay, the mats are unrolled. Go have some fun. Light guys over here, heavy guys over there, younger guys over here, older guys over there. Have fun. I'm just going to let them have fun for a while once we can have contact. Um, so, and anything you can, and any sport it might be, fun is the number one thing that kids need in their sport. And I don't really care what age it is. Um, even in, at the older high school ranks, let's have some fun with one another first. Let's restore that. It, it's been a year before since the last time they had just fun. Um, and let's restore that and let's get some smiles on these kids' faces for a little while before we start trying to make them the next move on. Hell yeah. <laughs> the drills will begin, but you get that first week to kind of break them in. <laughs> that's that's it, man. That's it. Josh, I want to thank you for your time for coming on the show this morning. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Can't wait to come back. Absolutely. For those who listened, I've got a link to Josh's Twitter below. Fittingly, it's at the grappling dad. So that makes perfect sense. This has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast a podcast that's dedicated to bringing you actionable advice. So don't just listen to the discussion we had, take it and apply it, especially with your relationship as you're bringing up your young athlete. If you have questions, drop them below. I will be having Josh back on. So we'll be fielding the, the Q&A portion of this, as well as a few other topics I wanted to hit. But thank you for tuning in. This has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's only community at thefraternityofexcellence.com. And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at ZachSmall underscore.